All right, Hector, I've got written down uh, wearable tech, friend or foe. Friend or foe. That's just like a neat starting point. Well, we're both... Have you got your aura ring on you? No, no. I, I, since I last saw you, I got it and then lost it again. So uh, I'm, I'm uh, wearable techless today. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> friend or foe. I think... I, I would say um, verging on, verging on foe at the moment. I think it's you know, the, obviously the way the future is going, but it's probably a bit... It's a bit kind of um, novelty at the moment, I would say. Like, you know, whenever I have had an aura or one of these other things, kind of just checking it you know, for the dopamine. You maybe get a little bit of value out of it at the beginning, but then you're just checking it for something to do. So it's just another thing to get yourself distracted with, you know? And I think the more you're outsourcing that process to the tech, uh, to, you know, your Aura app or your, your Whoop app, the less you're kind of really listening to yourself and, and being there in the moment. You know, and actually, if, if that says you've had a bad sleep, then you're feeling crap and you're like, oh God, you know, today's ruined. Uh, so I think... But that being said, I do think it's the future. You know, if you think about, especially when you go into real healthcare, you know, like tracking what's happening in your body and picking up early diseases, you mm-hmm. know, when things are wrong. So I can really see, you know, how it is the future. But at the moment, I think there's value in not going down that route. I think that's definitely true about um, at some point in the not too distant future, probably, you will have some kind of device that literally says, oh, your vitamin D levels are low or, um, uh, you know, your risk of testicular cancer has increased by 0.3% because your phone has been in your pocket for eight hours consistently over the last 30 days. I do think at some point it will be that specific and then it's whether people really want to be so attached to that. Um, And that in itself brings it across a whole kind of new set of challenges, I suppose, um, because it feeds into people being super hypochondriacs and neurotic and things like that. But so the wearable tech that I've got is like the Whoop and you've got the Aura Ring. Uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know i i often feel ridiculous about wearing it but i do think I, I think initially it has like massive benefit and the biggest thing for me was when you look at your sleep statistics which like is so geeky in itself even even when you wake up you know it used to be you just ask your the person lying next to you like <laughs> how did you sleep and now it's like you have to refer yeah. to a gamified thing in your phone but I think that the biggest thing for me is that, you know, if you fall asleep at 10 p.m. and wake up at 6 a.m. or you go to bed at 10 p.m. and wake up at 6 a.m., people would say, oh, yeah, I had, I had eight hours sleep last night. And the reality is, like, you didn't get close to eight hours sleep. So yeah. you 45 minutes to get to sleep. You're awake for 45 minutes in the night, which uh, I don't know if the aura does this as well. But most people don't realize how much they're awake during the night. And when I first yeah. looked at my sleep statistics after having it for a few days i thought there was something wrong with it i thought how can i have been awake for 45 minutes in the night is there something wrong with me is there something wrong with the app and then you go online and you realize that everyone has the same thing and everyone's like how was i awake for an hour during the night and i don't think people realize that your sleep you basically you have to go to bed earlier if you want to get (laughs) if you want to get anywhere near eight hours sleep you have to go to bed like about nine and a half hours you have to be in bed which is insane yeah, that's but, a great point. And I, I also, I think I, I do agree with you there that we've also kind of normalized that, normalized, you know, not get enough sleep, normalized this super unhealthy lifestyle. So I do think, you know, things like we're bringing that to our attention. So, hey, this isn't normal and you need to change something. It is really healthy. So I, I retract my yeah. earlier statement. <laughs> yeah, but at some point it's like, uh, I said to my dad the other day, because the whoop will vibrate 
when you've had sufficient sleep, right? Really? So you don't even have an alarm clock. It will just vibrate. Really? And it does wake you up. Like, it's quite fierce. Wow. And I said to my dad, oh, it's incredible. Like, I've got this thing that will wake me up when I've had enough sleep. And he was like, what do you mean? Like, your body does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. And I was kind of stumped. Like, yeah. didn't, have a, didn't have a retort to that. He's absolutely right. So wearable tech friend or foe, yeah, I guess it's, um, I guess it's, uh, it's, it's always, as ever, it's a bit nuanced, isn't it? Somewhere between yeah. the two. I don't have an Apple Watch, but that, I think, vibrates if you've been, like, stationary for an hour. Yeah, 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 that's good. I, I think yeah. that kind of thing is healthy. And, like, that, that I didn't realise the, the Whoop did that. I think that is very healthy. Cause, you know, alarm clocks, and I use an alarm clock, and uh, there's something quite jarring about, you know, when that wakes you up. Because you know, we sleep in cycles, so you've got an hour and a half cycle, and... You can really feel if it's got you right in the middle of a cycle and you walk up and you're like a zombie for the first hour or two. So it, it makes sense that actually this is just doing a, a smarter job of maybe what we're already using using things to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. Tech, but will, will you keep using it? Uh, I'll, I'll get an, I'll get one at some point. I'll, yeah. I'll probably take a little bit of a holiday and, uh, okay. and get back to it at some point. Yeah, nice just waking up and sort of seeing how your body yeah, feels. And stuff like that. Yeah. Plus, like, aesthetically, I just think uh, the... I don't know. You try and make them as disguised as possible, right? Yeah. I think they're a hard sell aesthetically. The yeah. Apple Watch for me is like just an eyesore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It's a bit of a branding thing these days, isn't it? Just to, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, well, the other thing I guess is like all the wearable tech is just to compensate, isn't it? Or to create like a bit of a, a seesaw from uh, what we should naturally be doing. And I think I don't know whether you've whether you've watched it actually the Blue Zones documentary on uh, yeah you said it but I haven't, I haven't watched yeah. it but I, I'm, I'm familiar sure with you've some seen of the, the, yeah, the yeah. gist it's uh, it's it's essentially a documentary um, that I would recommend watching and there are certain points certain places in the world that are known as blue zones because there's a unusually high number of centurions uh, in each in each space it's you know the, there's a Greek island in there. There's the peninsula off Costa Rica. Uh, there's somewhere in Japan uh, and, and places like that. And, and I think like uh, what, what's really interesting is like all these people reach the age of 100 in the blue zone areas accidentally. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There was no wearable tech. <laughs> there was no like gym routine. Yeah. There was no, they, they're not even, they're not even trying to reach 100. They just did yeah. because their lifestyle facilitates it. And I think it does make a bit of a mockery of like, not a mockery, but it really makes you think that, you know, a lot of people in the West have like gym routines and wearable tech to, to, to desperately try to create some kind of uh, longevity and to make like the final decade of their life like really healthy. But the, the fact that these people didn't even think about it and wouldn't have even thought about it unless an American camera crew had gone over because this guy's writing a book and shoves a camera in their face and asks them about their routine. And there's like a lot of them are just kind of shrugging their shoulders and just like rather oddly just talking through their daily routine and wondering why <laughs> this bloke's like really interesting. Uh, but yeah, I just think as an antidote to wearable tech, that it was, is an interesting documentary. What were some of the, the things that stood out? Uh, the big one for me, Hector, that was a, a theme throughout the whole thing was just this idea of constant movement. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I think go, no one there goes to the gym or no one in any of these spots goes to the gym. Right. And yeah. going to the gym is essentially just trying to compensate for the fact that we don't move eight hours a day. And in all of these spots without fail, the, the overriding premise was like they're moving, like gardening, walking, uh, walking between like church and a family home to here to there. Like the, the, 
yeah, the overriding thing was just this idea of constant movement. And actually, I think in the, in the, I could be butchering this, but I think in the Italian blue zone, the biggest predictor for longevity was the gradient of the hill on the way to your village. Really? Wow, that's awesome. So like the higher the gradient of your hill, the longer you live, which sounds absurd. But if you think about how often people are walking up and down that hill, maybe like six, eight times a day. Interesting. uh, You know, down to drop their kids off at school, down to pick up like the olive oil or whatever. Over the course of weeks, months, years, decades, that compounds and like it does make like perfect sense. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, that idea of constant movement and the fact that everything we do now, like, you know, stuff like the HIIT workouts or like, you know, 45 minutes in the gym where you really try and kill yourself, it, it is essentially you're just, you're desperately trying to scrape back to something that they have, which is like, you'd be healthier if you just, I know everyone's got to earn a living and stuff, but you, you'd be healthy if you're just moving eight hours a day, really. Yeah, 100%. I think they say sitting is the new smoking, don't they? I read a, read a bit recently that was talking about how uh, just sitting on the floor is so much better than sitting on a chair because if you're you're sitting like this you're comfortable and you can sit like this for hours Mm -hmm. but if you're sitting like cross-legged on the floor it's much more uncomfortable so you're always having to shuffle around and it's a similar kind of thing like every time you change position you'll move your joints and you know obviously it's not the same as walking up a hill but it's just this kind of thing of of not just being sat completely still for for hours and hours and hours because you think about you know when we were hunter-gatherers or or the hunter-gatherers still around today they're just spending all day like roaming around and you know mm. lounging around maybe but but they're not they're not sat at the desk kind of bent over it's it is bad isn't it like i you, you feel bad after eight hours at a desk sure and i think what's the i think one of the biggest predictors of longevity as well is um you know if you can if you can squat down on the floor without using your hands to a seated position <laughs> yeah, and then get back at you can't <laughs> do that Actually, of course you can I, I can't i'm tempted to stop the podcast right now because 100 you can do that we'll do after. i tried yeah. i couldn't do it I couldn't. no I, I'm, I'm working okay, up to okay, it. Yeah, okay. Nice, i was yeah. i was super inflexible i'm still pretty inflexible okay. but i'm working on it so okay. by the time we're a few episodes into this podcast <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. i'll be able to do we'll it, do one more weird yeah. like just you in that it? position yeah i'm pretty confident yeah let me just check this won't even be on camera so but it's essentially We'll better try. I know. I know exactly what you mean. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. So it's just like going down. Yeah. But you can't use your hands at all. Stand back up. I can't do stand back up. No. Yeah. Not sure you can get down. Yeah. See, I'm I'm tight here. Okay. Yeah. That's that's tight quads and hammies. Tight quads and hammies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to kind of loosen these up. Pretty good. I know. I I feel um. I feel substantially better about myself now. Yeah, yeah. Tempted yeah. to stop, <laughs> stop the podcast <laughs> right now and just douse myself in champagne. All right, so that's my challenge. I've got to, uh, yeah. I've got to work up to that. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was disappointed in the documentary though because it doesn't mention like benching your own body weight or like, <laughs> or like there's an uncomfortable lack of uh, meat consumption as well. Yeah, which is something I've always. Are you a meat eater? Uh, I am now. Yeah, I did a year off. Yeah, okay. which was which was a nice, good experience, and so I. Uh, yeah, eating meat at the moment, okay. but but not not a massive amount. Because I was actually going to say Hector fits the mold of someone that doesn't eat meat. But you I know, I get I get that, that I get, that, I get that so like much. Insulting. I get that so much, honestly. <laughs> no, just because like the the business you're in and like you know that wellness know. space kind of leans towards it. Uh, yeah, it's one of those where I you know I, I do think it's the right thing to do in, on many vectors, but I also think uh, I've messed around my diet so much and it's, it's just difficult. You know, like every time you change and stuff and. 
I think I haven't got the routine. Um, maybe I'm just rationalizing, but I haven't quite got to a place where I'm like, okay, everything's settled. I can just go vegan or whatever it is. Uh, so, and you know, obviously the stresses and strains of running a business, you, mm-hmm. you, you got, you got a few other things, uh, on, on your hands. So that being said, there's lots of people who, who manage both, but I just haven't, for whatever reason, I haven't made that jump yet. What about you? Have you... Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I love meat. I eat loads of meat. I eat meat every day. <laughs> but what I would say is like, I'm not so, I, I think like everyone in life should be prepared. If there's, a, if there's enough evidence, Hector, yeah. that meat is, let's just park the environmental question for a moment. Sure. If there's enough evidence selfishly that stopping eating meat would add 10 years to my life, I would 100% do it. Yeah. I don't currently think I, or I certainly haven't read or seen enough like overwhelming evidence. I've seen an awful lot about like if you eat crap meat, yeah, yeah. then like, yeah, over the course of a few decades, you're in trouble. But I haven't seen enough to suggest that if you eat like organic, you know, yeah. like proper meat, uh, then, then, but if there was that body of evidence that, and I've always said, I'm 36 now, so I've always said to myself at 40, yeah, I'll yeah. have a proper, proper re yeah, <laughs> look yeah. at it. Well, that's it. I don't think there are so many different variables, right? And as with everything, I think there is no right answer. And people, you know, it's so easy in this day and age to get dogmatic about something. Mm-hmm. And people will choose one of those things, whether it's the climate, the ethics of it. That's obviously a big one. Uh, the health stuff, and that, you know, just just go in on that. And everyone who's mm-hmm. not doing this is fun as well. Yeah, well, like, yeah, exactly. yeah, it's like, you know, taking that kind of hard stance. Hundred percent. Yeah, you get more immediate traction on like social media or even just like in a conversation with friends. Like it's more of a conversation. Whereas yeah. you sitting there being like, "Well, guys, you know, like, it's a of column <laughs> that doesn't a sell. Column that doesn't B, sell. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't get retweets. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, but I also do think in terms of diet, like a lot gets lost in the lost in the conversation when I I, I think that. The only thing that should be talked about is processed food versus unprocessed food. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like yeah. if you want to, yeah, because it is really confusing. And I actually, the longer I'm, the longer I'm alive, and the longer I see sort of different foods and stuff, and the longer you go in supermarkets and look at the back of packages, I actually, yeah. I used to be a bit meaner towards the individual. And the longer it goes on, I actually just blame the companies more and blame yeah, government yeah. regulation yeah, because, yeah. I, of course, there's individual responsibility. But like, you're not giving people a chance with some of this stuff. Yeah, as in like you. Yesterday, I went into M and S. And there's like a spinach and like pesto salad. <laughs> and you'd be like, that is, that's pretty healthy, right? Yeah. And then you look on the back yeah, and there's like right. 24 ingredients crazy. that are some kind of alternative of the word sugar. Yeah. Yeah. And like refined sugar. I think I might be butchering this, but kind of pre-Victorians before sugar came over here, we'd, we'd get something like two grams of sugar a year in our diet. And then nowadays you're getting 40 grams a day. So, you know, I'm probably butchering the numbers, but it's, no, but it's, it's some... like exponentially more. And, you know, that, that just causes so much issues, inflammation, yeah. that kind of thing. But yeah, I think what you said about quality of meat as well, like you are what your food eats. So it's not only that we've got all this processed food, it's that we're factory farming and feeding animals crap as well. Um, and so one, again, obviously the ethical thing, but but also th- that that food in turn is, is going to make people ill. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think it's super backwards. It's quite overwhelming when you think about the whole system. And just how much needs to change. But again, these things do happen over time. But. Sure. Uh, yeah, I just think there's so much out. Like if you're struggling with like food or your weight or diet, I do think there's just a massive overload. And yeah, I think yeah, you should just be stripped down to about three core principles. And the first one is like, if it's unprocessed, it's good for yeah. you. And if it's 
if it's processed, it's bad for you. Like yeah, yeah, steak yeah. is steak, eggs are eggs, avocados, avocado, yeah, cheese is cheese, like yeah, everything yeah. else is. But, and I think, do you ever follow Tim Spector stuff? Yeah. He yeah, obviously yeah. is trying, like, I don't know the bloke, but I, he's, I assume, as well as having a business to do with it all, I assume he's, he's genuinely trying to help people. I yeah, do yeah. believe that. Like, if you listen to, like, his backstory about his, I think it's his dad, maybe, yeah. um, uh, died quite young, or, like, it, it, he, he's got a really interesting backstory, and I, you know, no reason to believe he's not, um, 100% correct but some of the stuff he talks about is is I do think you can get lost in it yeah and that's why it's such a difficult thing trying to simplify anything yeah, yeah, yeah. simplifying complicated topics like the most difficult thing yeah that's it like world. as with anything you've got so many smart genuine people mm-hmm. on every side of the argument um, which, which just says that you know it probably is more complicated than we think you know yeah uh, yeah be wary of easy solutions to that's complex it. problems yeah. or whatever it is yeah yeah uh, yeah, there's another thing with the Blue Zones documentary as well. I only started doing this a few years ago. Because, you know, obviously a documentary, whatever they're pushing, they are pushing one side to it, right? It's not like a... Most documentaries aren't giving uh, two sides of the coin. That's the whole point. They, they put all their energy into... <laughs> they, they put all their energy into, like, this is the takeaway yeah. from this documentary. So it's funny. I only started doing this a few years ago. But when I watch a documentary now, and inevitably you do come away and think, Jesus, like that is very persuasive, right? With anything. I'm talking about documentaries with anything. So I started looking for like counter arguments to all of them. And with the Blue Zones documentary, and this, this American uh, writer obviously spent decades of his life like researching this. Um, I'm not like, not, like belittling <laughs> anything he's done because it's fascinating and I loved it. But I went online and there was a huge like counter argument that essentially said, uh, a lot of there are a lot of people aged 100 now right but if you look at the graph of people aged 100 especially in the blue zone centurion hotspots as soon as official birth certificates came in that number drops off a cliff as in oh, really? when there was no recorded you know, someone was yeah, born yeah, yeah. in 1892 hector well, you know, I don't know how much bureaucracy <laughs> there was in terms of birth certificates there but as soon as like and each country had a different version of this uh, you know, official birth certificates came in was it was properly checked and all of that. As soon as that came in, the amount of people living to a hundred, living to a hundred, went down dramatically. Yeah. So you do wonder if, like, uh, and what I'm basically saying is that pe- people that are a hundred now or 110, you wouldn't mind looking at those birth certificates again just to make sure something wasn't fudged. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. see what I mean? Yeah, very interesting. So yeah, I, I, I thought that was really interesting straight off the bat, and and sometimes that can get you in mad rabbit holes though, like yeah. looking for counter arguments documentaries. But I always think it's useful because you know documentaries spent millions and often years to push a very very specific uh argument which is very interesting but but often fall short would you want to live to 100 uh good question i i wouldn't want to live to 200 i have no like <laughs> okay. longevity i've never heard anyone say that <laughs> as a response to that question longevity is not, a goal. Was, okay. it's not a goal i think living well for the time i've got like i don't, I don't i'm not buying the whole i'm not you know vibing with years in a nursing home at the end of life so i think you know have a, a bright flash and then and then go out so yeah but you know if it's if it's 60 if it's 100 who cares 60 is not far away so there's a hope it's not, <laughs> hope it's not, it's not too close yeah. <laughs> not for you uh okay yeah because i think because a lot of people talk about health and wellness and stuff and they talk about optimizing for like the last few years of your life so to be able to still walk the dog or play with your great grandkids in the last few years of your life which i do i think is really valuable but at the same time optimizing for those last few years like they are only the last few years of your life right yeah so it's, that's actually a small period of your life hopefully that you're old and 
you know, you can't do much for the last few, five years. So it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Yeah, but I guess the, so if we're talking about health, for example, and movement, I know that's a big thing, which is, you know, being healthy at that stage of life. So you do the training now. The great thing about that is that benefits to you through your whole life, right? So it's not like, mm. hey, that was miserable for 50 years and then we get to the end of life and I only enjoy four years. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the equivalent of that is if you do a job you hate because you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome when I retire. You know, you do that for 50 years. And then you get to retirement, you're like, fuck, that wasn't worth it. Yeah. But I think the, the great thing about uh, you know, building good habits and looking after yourself for longevity is that you, you get the benefits along the way. And, you know, it's the, it's the journey, not the destination. Sure. I think that's, Hector and I were just talking about the gym. You wouldn't know it from looking at our, <laughs> <laughs> looking at our little arms. But uh, we were talking about the gym just before we, we clip recording the, on the pod. And I often think that, like, if someone says it would take you, like, 10 years to get, like, a really, like, great physique... It's not like you look like crap for nine years, 364 yeah, exactly. days, and then, you know, you'd enjoy that whole process. Yeah. So and It's the mental process as well, right? It's like the, you know, as you can see, we're fairly early on that journey, but it's, <laughs> it's the... Research and development. Yeah, it's all the benefits you're going to take to every other aspect of your life, because mm-hmm. you got out of bed and went to the gym first thing in the morning, you know? And it's like that discipline trickles into everything else. Uh, and so I think, yeah, we, we kind of look at these things very isolated. It's like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that because, you know, blah, 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 but those compound and that's what ends up defining your life Mm. i've written down or i've written down something interesting i i read hector Uh, and there's probably a bit of nostalgia for this but a hundred years ago the body was busy and the mind was still now the mind is busy but the body is still (laughs) and i always think there's a danger because i don't think a hundred years ago the mind was still i think people still had uh, what do you you think about i'll read out a hundred years ago the body was busy and the mind was still Nowadays, the mind is busy and the body is still. Yeah, I think 100,000 years ago, that's probably true, but <laughs> I agree with you. I think, what, for, from a slight tangent, but I think one mistake we make is assuming that everything was super different. Like, this time it's different. You know, everything's changed massively. Like, you you could look at 100... In fact, I was went for a, um, a kind of weekend hike in the Cotswolds with a mate recently, walked past this little uh, bookshop just in a village open to anyone to take a book. And it was just as everything with ChatGPT was kicking off, you know, so it was like, the hottest topic and uh we picked up a book i can't remember what it was called it's called like power and progress written 100 years ago and it was talking about how machines were coming along and they were going to replace everything and you literally could have just swapped out that for ai mm-hmm. and it's exactly the same and you know obviously the, the details are different but the overarching message is the same it was you know is this the end of productivity like all of this kind of thing the end of work um and it's not that different you know it's never mm-hmm. that different it's always somewhat different but like you know, we always feel like everything's so different now. But that being said, I think it's almost binary in some way. Whereas we were living this like hunter-gatherer life, how we should be living. And then we moved to this like civilized life. And obviously that changed over time. But, you know, living in these like bigger societies that, that we are just not built to deal with. Like now we're living in this constant state of overstimulation. Obviously that's changed massively with phones and social media. and It's only accelerating. But there's, yeah, there's just some sort of... Uh, some sort of idea. I don't know if you read Sapiens by uh, uh, I dipped into it, yeah. It's a great book. Would highly recommend. But the, the his basic message is that the worst thing that ever happened to us is we invented farming. And from that point, because, you know, before that we were roaming, hunting, gathering, mm-hmm. eating a variety of foods, moving all day. And then as soon as we started farming, you know, obviously this happened over many years, started living in societies, you know, our diet got a lot less 
variety suddenly we didn't know everyone we lived around so you get this this kind of social pressure uh disease started spreading through the the society so he was like that was just the end and we've just been accelerating ever since then and you know maybe a slightly pessimistic view of it all but yeah there's definitely a sense of like we are out of whack with how we should be living now you know like we shouldn't be we shouldn't have the constant stress and anxiety that that you get today and i think a lot of that is the last few years you know like that, that you know that's just skyrocketed kind of depression anxiety yeah all of these things in the last do you decade. think it's definitely skyrocketed or do you think we just we we just pick it up more now well it's definitely you statistically know, it's skyrocketed right? yeah but it is what you said earlier about the the, the birth certificate where it's like yeah. it's only when you're probably tracking it so you know, now that we have a name for it you know like obviously anxiety wasn't a condition 100 years ago um but you know, I I think, and I I think this predates COVID. We are seeing a generation come through now that has had social media all their life, or, or you know, all through their formative years, that you know have much less resilience, that they're much more anxious, um, you know, much more kind of stressed. And so I, I do think that's real. You know, you, you get people like Piers Morgan, that's just the snowflake generation. This is tough enough, etc. But it, it's you know like neuroplasticity is real what you're doing all day makes a huge difference and there is a huge difference if you spend your childhood running around and climbing trees and playing with people or if you spend it scrolling through tiktok you know like of course that's going to rewrite someone's brain yeah i remember a video that went viral like um it might have been during covid and it was uh, a girl who's maybe early 20s and she was videoing her mum uh, like write thank you letters and like seal the <laughs> envelopes and put the stamp on. And the, her fascination was like, my mum's been doing this for 45 years. <laughs> hasn't looked at her phone, hasn't done anything else. Like, this is it. That's like, mad, isn't yeah. that mad? And, yeah. she just, and then it was like Gen Z discovers yeah, concentration yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. That's it. And that comes to every other like facet of your life, you know? Like, you know, it's like, a lot of people today just like, can't can't read a book anymore because mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, I, 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 used to, I used to love reading. I know you're a big reader. I, I do love it. Yeah, but it's like a muscle, isn't it? It's completely. It's, it's like a muscle. Like, the more you do it, the more you develop that concentration. And again, that goes into other parts of your life, right? Like, you know, work and all this kind of stuff. It, there's talk that like a younger generation just isn't resilient enough for the workplace mm-hmm. because they're trying something, they're giving up too easily, like, all this kind of stuff. So I do think there's some truth in it. And then it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy where like if you have that narrative about yourself, then you're going to give up more easily. You know, if you've got everyone telling you you're a snowflake, you're going to mm-hmm. give up more easily. So it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. But I do think, you know, you have to appreciate that like the game has changed and yeah. you know, to some extent. I think um, if I'm being completely honest with you, Hector, so I, <laughs> I, I'm not the reader that you are. You should see Well, Hector's mate, you could, you could stand up off the floor. So, <laughs> But like when I'm reading a book, which I try to do every night, <laughs> uh, I, uh, there's a part of my brain that's like, why aren't we on the phone? <laughs> like, like the phone's just in the next room like yeah, why yeah. wouldn't you be yeah, on the yeah. phone way better than this yeah and it kind of is like which is difficult or well, certainly in the short term it is so yeah. it's like you know it's uh yeah it's, it's still a battle for me but for you you can how long can you read do you think with and really concentrate on it uh it's a good question i think if i have if i have a good like evening free then i, I could probably sit down for two and a half three hours and oh wow smash through it. yeah yeah Genuinely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, I mean, I'd say, well, that's you say that like practice. I reckon. Obviously, our audience on podcast one is probably zero. But if, <laughs> but if anyone listens to this in like five years when we're on podcast five hundred, yeah. they'll be like, "That's insane, man!" Yeah, like, to, to to be able to read for two and a half, three hours, I'd say is like probably. I mean, I yeah, don't it's know. just something you keep doing. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like sure, meditating, sure, or sure, even sure. go to the gym, right? Yeah, like if yeah, you yeah. 
first time you go for we a run. We talked about the gym so much. Yeah. People will be looking at the video and be like, what are these two boys on? <laughs> but is that, is, that, is that sort of picks up running, right? Yeah. The first run you go through, you think you're going to oh. die, you just make it around the block. And then, you know, you're, you're doing that for, you know, a few weeks and mm-hmm. you just can kind of feel it. Building. It's exactly the same. Yeah. So have just probably for the last three or four years, just really like that is that is what I'll go to in the evening, you know, rather than TV, phone or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, um, the the idea of turning your phone off for like 12 hours, I think. was <laughs> funny. laughing about the gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that, I think, is one of the biggest and easiest levers for anyone. 100%. Like to... Uh, and I try and do it from like whatever works for you, like eight to eight, nine to nine, whatever. Yeah, yeah. If you can at least look at that 24 hour clock and think for 12 hours yeah, yeah. I'm not looking at my phone and even if the other 12 hours as I do I look at it relentlessly yeah. I still think like for 50% of at the least day, you've, got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got that 12 hours where you actually have not looked and it's not actually not that difficult like if you do like 8 to 8 yeah, you're, sleep, it's just you're sleeping last, for most sleep, of it. You've got, you know, most of it. It's out of your control because you're sleeping. So come on, you can't give yourself too much yeah. credit. And then it's just those two hours like before sleep, really. Yeah, and yeah. then the first thing in the morning, obviously, which is, which is tough. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do think, I think if everyone could go 12 hours without you. I've said this to you before. I honestly, when I don't look at my phone, when I, when I wake up and I don't look at my phone, I instantly remember my dreams and i like yeah I, and but if i wake up and look at my phone it, that's gone like i don't remember my dreams like it's already whatever that was that i dreamt about it's just gone because i'm looking at something on my phone so like for me it's uh yeah it's, it's, it's a game changer for sure yeah um i think i messaged this to you hector but the, the tim urban quote and i, I posed this to anyone because i really liked it there was a question would you rather have a billion pounds and a cold the rest of your life <laughs> or neither. So that, a billion pounds and a cold the rest of your that's, life. That's an easy one for me. Do, do, have you got an answer? I think everyone would say the same thing. Not everyone, but I think most people would say the same thing. Which is neither. Neither, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also maybe easier if like, if you've got nothing, if you're 50 and you've got nothing and you've got two kids, yeah, you might be like, yeah, true. fuck it. That money is like, do you know what I mean? I live 30 more years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, and you know what? These days, you can suppress a cold with like lemon <laughs> but you, But you actually can. Like, yeah. it's not like, uh, it's obviously it depends on the severity of the cold. Especially and, if you've got a billion dollars. But, well, a lot of lim- the, lim- other, the other answer, the clever answer to that question, I think, Hector, is you take 50 million for yourself <laughs> and you take 950 million and you say, find a cure for the common cold, which obviously you can't do anyway because it's like, Presumably they spent billions trying to find it, right? Yeah, no, you, you got it. You got it for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah okay. So it's uh, so yeah, you'd say no, and I, uh, but I think that just brings home how important health is. And like, I think everything's relative as well. So which which kind of makes a bit of them, uh, both of them, a bit redundant. Where you, you hear about people who lose limbs, mm-hmm. and after a while their happiness will go back to the same level. Yeah. And it's one of those things where if you have a cold all the time, like, you're going to get used to that mm-hmm. eventually. Uh, but likewise, if you have a billion dollars, like the novelty of that is going to wear off pretty quickly as well. And then you've got all the admin of being a billionaire. And, For sure. Pff, I bet that's not easy. No. But it's, uh, he, uh, yeah, Tim Urban put this on Twitter and like the majority of people said neither, right? Yeah. They, take, yeah. Because you don't want to cut a cold your whole life, yeah. come on. Uh, but I did you, think it was... You'd it, find but, some people. I'm sure you'd find some people. Yeah. Oh, it was only like a 70-30 <laughs> split. So like, uh, I, I think I think the point he was trying to make, hopefully the, the takeaway from that is like, nothing's more important than your health. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. even a cold, which is annoying, wouldn't be worth it for, for all the money in the world. 
but uh, I did think it was interesting because it's uh, yeah some of the cleverer answers in the comments were like well you, you spend it all on trying to find the cure for the cold and then like you're a hero you name the cure after yourself <laughs> give it away for well, that's free another question. That's and another then question. it's like, it's like oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. you know th- that whole legacy like it always comes up like what do you want your legacy to be and yeah, like yeah. people name the shit after themselves and like that's just all ego you know yeah. like, what, why is like some people again no, no judgment but like it feels like it, we can have this idea that like legacy is some like fundamental thing it's, it's just it's just feeding your ego mm. like, who cares once you're gone you know we'll all be gone at some point man like yeah just on that note i think one of the one of the most profound moments of my life, Hector, which is quite a big one for podcast one, was uh, going to like my grandma's funeral. Yeah. And I was uh, maybe mid 20s or early 20s, maybe. So I wasn't a child. And, and my grandma like, lived a, a good life. She was well into her 80s, you know what I mean? Anyway, so we were at the wake and there were like, and I was there. And, you know, when you're young and you go to a funeral, it's different. You, you're wondering how to act and you kind of take your, you kind of mirror the emotion of like other people there, right? Like if it's, anyway, so there was a group of people there and they were like in the pub afterwards in the wake, like laughing. Like, yeah. And why shouldn't they, right? Like they were, everyone's remembering yeah. my grandma and like, but they were obviously, and I remember looking and thinking, Jesus, like she's, we only put her in the ground <laughs> like two, two hours ago, guys. And you're like already laughing. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, like when you're yeah. gone, like, yeah. obviously i mean i love is it the mexican day of the dead thing where yeah you're not truly dead till the last person who loves you dies oh, really interesting. i think you heard yeah. that before i haven't it's so yeah. beautiful would you rather everyone's laughing at your funeral or everyone's crying uh laughing because i think if everyone's crying you've probably gone too soon yeah it's true you know if you if you <laughs> make it to a hundred yeah, yeah yeah it's like i think most people be like you know what like you know she had a good i think then people would be yeah more comfortable. was if you get hit <laughs> by a bus when you walk out of here yeah. i don't think there's gonna be too many yeah. jokes at your funeral but yeah, no, the, the mexican day of the dead you're not truly dead till the last person who loved you died but yeah, that's not that long beautiful. that's maximum like two generations realistically like. yeah, that's beautiful yeah yeah nice. really nice uh yeah. also not like you know is that true i don't know like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean well like what does it matter with the last person who it, it's a nice framework like, all of these things are useful models for how to think about the world mm. it's a nice like hey i'm gonna be really good so people love me but like you know but you're dead like yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly I, I the legacy thing's interesting because you get people like uh like alex hormose do you, do you watch some of yeah, his do, stuff yeah, yeah. who's like proper like anti-legacy he's like yeah you're dead you're dead doesn't matter no one will care like uh, and, and I know why he's trying to do it because he's trying to say like don't be embarrassed to like start the podcast write the book give yeah. the talk like talk to the girl whatever but uh, I don't know it, it comes off as a little bit too fatalistic for me but yeah the legacy ones are, is, is a really yeah I mean look, all, all of these I think uh, are a really useful saying is that your perception of reality is your reality right and I think we all you know have a way we see the world and all of these things all of these ways to think about it legacy like whatever it is you want to whatever your North Star is, like however you want to think about it, it's just a useful, um, useful in as far as it helps you turn up and mm-hmm. you know, how you turn up. And actually, if someone's really driven by legacy and they want to be remembered, you know, I might say that's ego to them. That might help them you know, go and do some great things in this life and live a meaningful life. So who am I to, to kind of judge and comment on that? So I think it's complicated as these things always are. But, uh, but yeah, personally, it's not what kind of fires me forward, but I can completely understand that for some people it is. But then, you know, if you kind of go into the psychology of that, like, what is that? Is that like a, you know, fear of being forgotten? You know, mm-hmm. like what, what underp- underpins that and what happened in their childhood? Well, Hector, your, your main, 
motivation should be trying to do the do the stand up from the seated position by podcast 10 or something and we'll we'll go from there